With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Who wants a wall at the southern border? If you'd asked me that question a year ago, even a month ago, I think I would have known how to answer it. I'd say former President Trump does, and a big chunk of his voters— A whole lot of congressional Republicans, too. But until last week, I would not have included the Biden administration on that list. Then I started getting push alerts. A new effort to build a border wall tonight coming from an unexpected place. The The same Joe Biden who campaigned on a promise that not a foot of wall would be constructed during his administration. He seems to have changed his mind. Sort of. On Wednesday, the Biden administration formally waived 26 federal laws to allow 20 miles of construction in South Texas, where illegal crossings have surged. At the White House today, President Biden said he still thinks a wall won't work, but he argued Congress gave him no choice. Once I got over my initial shock, I was back at one basic question. Do border walls work? Well, that's a good question to start with. Um... You know, I think all evidence shows that border walls, as a rule, do not work. All evidence. All evidence. Muzaffar Chisti is a senior fellow at the Migration Policy Institute, which means he's used to migration policy swinging back and forth. And I think it's important to add he's not against limiting who gets let into the United States. He just thinks a wall is not the way to get there. There is no way we can build a wall on all the 2,000 miles on the U.S.-Mexico border. And even if we did, would people still come? Yeah, because they would still jump. Muzaffar went to the border recently. Actually, he went to see one of the very first sections of wall out in Southern California. It was built back in the 90s under Bill Clinton. And it did not seem to be keeping anyone out. Border walls are typically on U.S. territory. That means by the time you we catch anyone or at the wall, they're on U.S. territory where they can invoke the protection of asylum. Hmm. At that point, you cannot remove them back to Mexico. You have to give them a due process hearing for asylum. That's why both legally and operationally, it's kind of a dubious concept. Wow, it really just shows how useless it all is. <laughs> I think it's it's just, you can just see it. I mean, so I think why it's particularly useless is that even if some people would find the wall to be an impediment, the social media in the, in the migrant networks now is so strong that people within hours would know, don't go to that place, there's a wall there. Go to another place. Hearing that this wall was happening, it just made me wonder, are we out of ideas when it comes to immigration in this country? I think we are, at some level, we are certainly out of a magic bullet. As we like to say in my business, the only country in the world which had controlled its border fully was Soviet Union. Hmm. 
we're not going to be Soviet Union. There will always be people coming to the border and we'll never have enough resources, enough moral or political will to control all the border. Today on the show, if a wall won't control the border, why is President Biden building one after promising not to? And what does that say about the rest of his immigration policy? I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick around. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Can I ask you to go way back? Like, I feel like build that wall became such a trope on the right over the last decade or so. But how did that happen? Like, what's the history of the idea of a border wall? It began, uh, I'm sure in old part of our history, it has been. But in recent history, it began in the early 90s in California. And people forget that California, which is now seen as as a deep blue state, was not always a deep blue state. Pete Wilson, who ran for the U.S. presidency in 1996, he actually started his campaign in California on the basis of looking tough on immigration. Why can't Bill Clinton do it in Washington, D.C.? He can't even secure our borders. And if we can't control our own borders, how on earth can we call ourselves a sovereign nation? So Pete Wilson ran on that. Clinton administration felt compelled to respond and agreed to build a section of the wall in San Diego. And, you know, people use ladders to climb walls. People are equipped to climb walls. So just as a physical barrier, that doesn't work. So I think that's why Clinton administration abandoned it after a while, because it was just not seen as effective. People will go then to other parts of a few miles away, to other parts of the border, and use that as a point of entry. And in many ways, that has been the saga of the wall. It has continued to be a very convenient political slogan, especially during election times, and has continued to remain ineffective. Do you remember when Donald Trump really picked up this slogan and how you saw him use it? Like, did it stand out to you? Yeah, it was done very early in 2016. He detected probably more than any modern American political figure how deep the issue of immigration was resonating with a section 
of your society. And he detected that there was an unease about issues of identity, issues of race, issues of belonging, that immigration was not an economic issue, as many Republican Party members had perceived it in the past, because many members of the Republican Party are pro-employers uh, and they like immigrants because they're good, uh, reliable labor. I mean, the country has radically changed in the last 50 years. Before 1965, our immigration was fundamentally about 90% European and Canadian. Today, 90% of our immigrants are non-European and Canadian. Donald Trump, I think, perceived that. Having perceived that, he then used two very easy talking points, which had a gut level resonance with people. Build the wall. Keep them out. You have an easy slogan and a very potent mix. And that's what happened in 2016. When Biden began running against Trump, how did he talk about a border wall? I think he talked about exactly the opposite. There will not be another foot of wall constructed on my administration. Also a big promise to make, given how Congress has really been unable to act on immigration reform. Exactly. But, you know, candidates have to do what they do, is to promise things which may not be easy to attain. So President Biden wasn't as sort of pugnacious as Trump was about day one, but he did promise that I will undo Trump immigration policies and building the wall was an important component of that. So walk me through how President Biden got to the point where he seems to be building a wall anyway. Well, the president came to immigration in the following way. He has seen presidencies fall on the images of uncontrolled borders. So to him, I think he very early on defined that the problem is lack of order at the border. Huh. Is that actually what the problem is? There certainly is one problem. It certainly is a huge problem about perception. He was seeing it as a problem of optics, which has political consequences. So he was like, I got to make this look better, but... <laughs> exactly. The, it has to look more managed. The pictures of disorder just do not work. Therefore, I think his emphasis was get control at the border. And I think that's what they have aimed to do. So what they announced, and they announced it this May, that we want to incentivize people to come to ports of entry with an appointment. We give them an app. If you think you're eligible for asylum, get an appointment on this app. It's called CPP1. And if people come between ports of entry, we will just not even make them eligible for asylum. Unfortunately, what's happened is that more people have come to the border and the nature of the flows has changed. It's no longer Mexican single males sneaking in to get a job in the United States. It's actually Central Americans, families, and now increasingly South Americans and people from all parts of the world. So what we what the administration landed up doing was started admitting people in, in small buckets of orderly flows. So we gave them parole. We gave Cuban, Haitian, Nicaraguans, Venezuelans special parole program. We gave people notices to appear before a judge, notices to report 
before an ICE officer. So that looked orderly. The consequence of that is that it just slipped the problem into the interior of the country. Because people were heading to places like New York and Chicago. Exactly. Exactly. So the the ripple effects of this were moving away from the border and be felt like in parts of the country which had never been concerned. Well, and there are notably blue cities. And so it creates this internal pressure in the Democratic Party to have a response. Exactly. And I think what we can't forget this, that this was then politically quite well manipulated, managed by Southern governors, principally Governor Abbott, who saw a political opportunity here. I'm going to give the what he calls the sanctuary cities and states, mostly blue ones, taste of what we have to deal with in Texas. What is going on in New York is calm and organized compared to the real chaos of what we see on the border, not every day, but every hour of every day. And he started busing people. And that, to me, is an unprecedented chapter in U.S. immigration history. Why? You know, immigration is a very important contested issue in federalism as to whose responsibilities is immigration under our federal structure. And, you know, it's been contested over time by scholars, by judges, but most people have now settled that immigration is fundamentally a federal issue. But what's happened over the last year or so shifts it back to the states. In the last 10 years or 15 years ago, states started asserting some role. That's why you have seen Texas going after federal government. Then even in the Trump administration, blue states going after Trump administration. But we have never seen states going after states in the immigration battle. While all this was going on, this issue of the border wall popped back up. It's kind of a long story, but the gist is that the 20 miles of new wall Biden announced last week, it's going to be paid for with old money approved by Congress back in 2019. When Biden took office, he tried to stop construction on this project, but the money was still sitting there. So the issue went to court. There were challenges to that by state of Texas and state of Missouri that pause on building the wall is unlawful. You don't have the choice. Congress appropriated the money, and it's meant only for that, and that's all you can do with it. Biden says he's being forced to build. Is that fair? I think at some point he is fair because they have tried to. So the sequence on on this is Texas and Missouri and one of the plaintiffs challenged the pause. That judge said Biden does not have to build it. That went to Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. And the Fifth Circuit is quite conservative. Exactly. Fifth Circuit is conservative, especially on immigration issues. And so there's good reason to speculate that he would have forced the administration to build the wall. I guess here's what I'm trying to figure out. Is building a wall now for President Biden part of his optics push of making things look neater along the border? Or... Is it something he had to do because money was already appropriated for it and he was involved in this litigation? Or is it something else? Well, that's a really good question. And I wish we knew 
frankly. I mean, uh, we this has all happened very quickly also. He, there was no indication that this was coming. Uh, the president actually had an important meeting with the uh, Congressional Hispanic Caucus recently and gave no hint that something like this was about to happen. I think I was mostly surprised because they didn't seem to have their messaging uh, aligned. Uh, the president seemed to openly say that my hands are tied and this doesn't create any impact. This is ineffective. While the secretary seemed to be saying that we are building the wall because we need it in certain patches. The Homeland Security Secretary. Exactly. On the other hand, the secretary Mayorkas has seemed to indicate that they are doing it because they want to do it. So strangely, the messaging from this administration on this issue especially is unclear. When we come back, the messaging on immigration is not just unclear from the Biden administration. How it's happening in Democratic cities is influencing everyone else. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I feel like unclear messaging when it comes to immigration is not just a Joe Biden problem. I can sense it in all sorts of corners of the Democratic Party right now. Like I live in New York City, which has found itself in the middle of this changing rhetoric because migrants have first been bused here and Many just are simply arriving even on their own because New York has laws that mean people who come here have a right to shelter. The mayor, Eric Adams, right now he's saying that the city's systems are overwhelmed. But it's funny because if you go back to like a year ago, the mayor was welcoming migrants to the city, saying how proud he was that the city had a right to shelter them. He literally had a press conference after he greeted a bus full of migrants. You know, I'm proud that this is a right to shelter state. And we're going to continue to do that. And New York is a city that has always represented the democratic values and the values of our city, of showing our compassion. And that's what we're doing today. Do you remember that moment? I remember it too well. And, you know, that's why I think this chapter, as I call it, the busing, this is, you know, will remain for historians a very delicious moment in immigration history. You're absolutely right about immigration both as a political and as a messing issue. It covers so many dimensions from raw politics to raw emotions, from economics to, to cuisine, really from you know change of neighborhoods to change of the country. 
and there, it's a very it's it's very hard for people to have a cohesive message. I have now started saying more that we all do, but politicians especially, they sort of define the problem in their corner. What do you mean by that? In their corner. President Biden decided to define the problem as one of optics at the border. Disorder. Mayor Adams defined the problem as one of shelter capacity. I mean, you're you're absolutely right to know that Mayor Adams gave red carpet welcome to migrants in the initial stages. We are the Statue of Liberty. We are the welcoming city. That's the history. You know, we'll teach Abbott a lesson. That impulse lasted about four days. Hmm. And the shelter capacity was overrun. And so the problem for him became the shelter issue. So when people define problem in their own corner, problem is the problem. Problem is the whole thing. Yeah, I'm assuming you define the problem as there are a bunch of people coming to the border for all sorts of reasons, like unrest in their countries, climate change, et cetera. Yeah, the problem is there are a large number of people you could say millions from all parts of the world who are coming to Mexico in an effort to get to the U.S. The only way they can get into the U.S. is to seek asylum. So asylum has become a fallback avenue for people to seek entry. So it's our asylum system that has become the magnet. Hmm. And our asylum system is broken. Because if you claim asylum you can be in this country for a long time, sort of working, pleading that case. And so it becomes a way for you to stay for a lot of people. Exactly. So if you apply for asylum under our laws and under obligation to international law, you have to be given a hearing. Now, that uh, that case goes to an immigration court system. And that court system has... Pretty, pretty close to 2.5 million cases today. So right now, it takes about four years just for your case to be heard. We believe, given the numbers, it'll take about seven years. So you're putting down roots. That's right. So those are, and then you don't get removed for so many years. Then you say, well, it's worth taking the chance. And that message now is getting much more quickly circulated, both by smuggling networks and by social media. So the asylum system has become the magnet. So therefore, you have to reform the asylum system to make it easy for people who actually deserve it to get it and not take seven years to get it, and for people who don't deserve it to be denied and then removed. Then the message will spread that, look, you're not going to get a seven-year-long wait with work authorization in the country, and that will change people's calculations. That involves making really hard choices because a lot of people, if you have made the effort to go from Venezuela to the U.S.-Mexico border, you are in a bad spot. Like There's just no argument that you're in a good spot personally. You may not have a claim to asylum, I don't know, but you're definitely in need. Yeah, I mean, the the pressures are uh, really, really high. I mean, listen, you have to be really desperate to take 
to, to mortgage your life savings to pay smugglers and take a risk to your life or to the life of your young kids to make the journey. That's where we are. We have to recognize that, that that's the problem. Problem is the problem. And therefore, instead of just saying this is a shelter problem, this is the optics problem, doesn't help in dealing with the problem. Here's something I've been asking myself over the last, I don't know, year or so, as I watch New York and other cities struggle to absorb migrants. Is the idea of a sanctuary city over? What do you think? Well, it's like the war. It's a slogan. I mean, what does it mean? Everyone has their own definition of a sanctuary city. And then, you know, it's the same thing. Then politicians who thought that they would make political mileage said, well, we are a sanctuary city, that we are welcoming. It's a slogan. What does it mean? I mean, you, you can't, New York, as I've said this publicly once, that, you know, the mayor of the city, a lot of people think of New York as a sanctuary city. The mayor of the city of New York does not hide unauthorized immigrants under his desk. You know, he's never going to resist a federal government official who has a real warrant to take an unauthorized immigrant into custody. He can't resist that. It's funny. You're basically saying that at this moment, we're seeing what's false about both the build that wall narrative and the sanctuary city narrative. Yeah, that's why I think it's clarifying. It has made people, at least thinking people, that this is a nuanced debate. This is not wall versus open borders. This is not sanctuary city versus fortress America. Folks, look at this in rational ways. See what the problem is and what can you do in small bites, even if not in momentous ways, to get to the problem from its various ends. If we look at various components of the problem and address them in 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 their own components i think we may get somewhere but if it becomes just a a, a war of slogans then we clearly not getting anywhere muzaffar i'm really grateful for your time and your insight thanks for coming on the show thanks so much for having me Muzaffar Chisti is a senior fellow at the Migration Policy Institute at NYU's School of Law. And that's our show. If you're a fan of what we're doing here at What Next, the best way to support our work is to join Slate Plus. Go on over to slate.com slash whatnextplus to sign up. What Next is produced by Elena Schwartz, Rob Gunther, Anna Phillips, Paige Osborne, and Madeline Ducharme. We are led by Alicia Montgomery with a little boost from Susan Matthews. Ben Richmond is the senior director of podcast operations here at Slate. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you back here a little later. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.